Welcome to Metro Health's Prescription for Hope. I'm John Campanelli. Earlier this week, folks from Metro Health's Institute for Hope, all wearing masks, all working at tables 10 feet apart, assembled care kits, 800 of them, for our region's homeless population. Okay, so in the bags, we are putting in nice warm uh, socks. We're putting in combs, shampoo, deodorant, soap, wipes, toothbrushes, toothpaste, tissues. The coronavirus has revealed rather starkly a critical fact. Good health depends on a whole lot more than good medical care. Yes, world-class hospitals, talented doctors, passionate nurses, cutting-edge technology, that's all important, but that doesn't equate to a healthy community. Experts agree that roughly 80% of a person's health is decided away from the doctor's office. Much more important is whether you have a steady job, stable housing, access to healthy food, dependable transportation, a safe living environment, the support of friends and family. If you do, chances are you're healthy. If you don't, chances are you're not. The mission of Metro Health Institute for Hope is improving these other factors of well-being, often called the social determinants of health. The coronavirus has thrown the Institute a curveball, but maybe it can hit it out of the park. A few days ago, Sue Fuhrer, the Institute's director, came down to the studio to answer some questions from Metro Health's Director of Community Engagement, Rita Andelson. So Sue, talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing. How have you seen community change and how are you seeing community come together to help those in need at this time? You know, Rita, at the Institute for Hope, we have been really working hard for nearly a year now on helping people live their healthiest life. And certainly at Metro Health, we have great health care. But the reality is, is that many things that contribute to someone's health happen outside the healthcare environment. You know, do you have a job? Are you able to get to good food? All those kinds of things that, frankly, with COVID-19, have been turned upside down. So the work for the Institute for Hope has really become magnified during this time, and we have had a great opportunity to help so many people. And the community has really just been coming together um, tremendously at this difficult time to do what the right thing, and sometimes the harder right, for everybody in our community. So there's a lot of community partners, I can only imagine, that are coming you know, together to help you. Can you talk about some of those community partners? Sure, so you know, when COVID-19 hit, we knew right away that we were going to have to find a way to get items, off-the-shelf medication, food, supplies, cleaning supplies, to people that had been quarantined. And right off the bat, Buddy Graf from Discount Drug Mart stepped in and said, you know, you guys can go to my stores, you can get what you need so that you can deliver these things to these people's homes. Because, of course, the most important thing is that people stay in their home. And that is really hard, especially if you need something. So a huge shout out to Buddy Graf and the work that Discount Drunk Bart did to help us early on. Subsequently, we've had lots of people come on. Um, Lubrizol has stepped up with a very generous donation to our Helping Hand Fund, as has CareSource. 
and many people throughout the community have donated. Within our first week, we had over $50,000 in donations. And that is just fantastic. And that has enabled us to really do some great things. You know, week one, we delivered more than 150 meals to people, to their doorstep, in a very safe way. We have a great way where we call, we let them know we're dropping it on their doorstep, and then we call and say it's been delivered. So that's handled in a very infectious control, great way. but keeping everybody safe. That's so important because I think people want to help and they want to do things for others, but there's also the concern for safety, and rightly so. Um, you know, we're all practicing our, our social distancing. So that's great to hear that there are all those measures in place that you can still do what needs to be done for folks to help them out um, and still keep, you know, the volunteers and, and, and the staff um, safe. As your group is going out and delivering the food and the prescriptions and things. Are there any um, individuals or any instances, stories that stand out to you um, that really are, I'm sure, probably both heartwarming and heartbreaking? Yeah, A couple that come to mind is um, an elderly couple um, that were just really afraid. And they called into the hotline. They, they don't have COVID. They were screened. But they have a lot of anxiety and they didn't have a lot of food, and, and they were very proud. And when we dropped that, that box off, they had a big, huge sign in the window that said, thank you and God bless you. Um, one of my colleagues on the east side dropped off a box to a family of eight. The husband had recently been laid off um, from downtown, and the wife was just in tears. And she said, you know, I've got a really sick baby, and we just couldn't go out. and." Um, he called right from the car and he said, you know, what we are doing is making such a difference. And it's a very small difference, but I guess if you don't have a meal on the table, that's a big difference. So many of the people you're dealing with are already impacted by what we call the social determinants of health. And these are adverse conditions that impact people on a daily basis, poverty and housing, and so many of the things that many of us take for granted. Um, so they're already dealing with these situations, and now that's magnified by COVID-19. Can you talk a little bit about that? So, you know, I think maybe one of the small positives out of COVID-19 is that, yes, historically, so many people in our community have struggled with food and having a good job and employment and a safe park to play in. But, you know, COVID-19 has been an equalizer because now no matter where you are, you, what station in life you ha are in, you are struggling. You know, you can go to the grocery store and, you know, everybody's tired of talking about toilet paper, but, you know, there's no toilet paper on the shelf, so it doesn't matter whether you have money. Um, so everything has been magnified, particularly for these most vulnerable people, and we are seeing that through our COVID-19 hotline at Metro Health, and that is 440-592-6843. And so far, we have received thousands and thousands of calls more than 6,300 people have called and actually spoken to a nurse because they've been concerned that they have COVID-like symptoms. They have a lot of anxiety or fear. We're seeing a lot of younger people that are just really afraid. So if they're afraid, they can speak to a behavioral health. We even have people that are warm line specialists and just somebody to talk to. And then the other thing we are asking certainly is, do they need any supplies? Do they need food? Do they need cleaning supplies? How can we get those supplies to them? So we're really proud of those 6,300 plus calls that it, where people have really had a need um, to reach out and help them. And we encourage anyone to continue to call us. These are definitely, you know, 
uncertain times, uncharted territory. Um, we've not gone down this road before, and so we're learning as we go. What is the community, what are you hearing from the community in terms of what they need and, and just what are they saying? Well, the community, I mean, you know, everybody's scrambling. And at, at the Institute for Hope, you know, our goal is certainly to improve the health of people, to create opportunities of best practices, to leverage and partner. And that's where the community is coming in is how can we partner so that we can empower everyone. And I think what we're seeing with COVID-19 is we have so much more work to do. We are really seeing firsthand pockets where we have gaps in where we're providing. And I think the homeless patient population is one of those gaps. There are many other gaps. And hopefully when we get over the crisis, we as a community will be able to come together, better leverage our partnerships to minimize some of the gaps that we currently have, not only for those that are vulnerable, but for our entire patient population. I think this has been really enlightening for all of us. Sort of a silver lining. I mean, what you're learning now is gonna help inform the work you do moving forward and, and make it even better. That's our goal. So I think a lot of people, I find myself, you know, I'm here, I'm doing my job every day, I'm busy, but when I'm home, I'm thinking to myself, what can I do to help? How can I help? Um, I think a lot of people are out there when you're faced with a crisis like this, yes, everyone's dealing with it, you know, in their own personal lives, but everybody wants to help. Um, so what are some of the ways that people can help? Isn't that true? I think so many of us really want to help and we don't know how to help. And um, we have been reached out by many people. They're saying, how can I help? And I think certain things are, are simple. You know, do you have a neighbor that you could pick some daffodils and put on their front porch or deliver a meal to them. There are so many organizations that are in, in dire need, and we have at Metro Health a very robust COVID-19 website. Um, you can go to metrohealth.org. It's right at the top. And we have a ton of information there that has been validated and is medically robust. And it will tell you about those organizations that have specific volunteer needs, whether it be a homeless shelter or whether there's a need for diapers. There's a huge need for diapers in the community right now. So all those kind of resources are available to somebody that really wants to go in and look about what their volunteer opportunities are. And we update that daily based on the needs. Just last night, we added information about St. Augustine's and the delivery of Easter meals because they really have to change the entire method that they have used for the last few decades on how they're going to have an Easter meal for people that need it. That's great. And so we would encourage people to go to metrohealth.org forward slash COVID-19. Correct. To find that and, and find the, uh, the various resources there. Um, are you surprised at the turnout from the community and just like you said we're leveraging partnerships and um does it surprise you or or is it something that that you expect that this in many ways is bringing out the best in people you know so cleveland's a great town and we we all know that in cleveland i mean we are always here to help each other so i don't know that i am surprised um i am pleased and so grateful to everyone. And, and just on my way here, I stopped in the cafeteria to, to grab a, 
a water and I ran into one of our anesthesiologists whom I know and she said how are you doing and I said I'm fine I said but how are you doing and she says you know we're gearing up for the surge and she said what are you working on and I said well you know in a couple days we're going to pack 800 kits for homeless um, people and she's like well you know on my day off I would love to come help and here I'm looking at this anesthesiologist gearing up for a surge and what is she doing she's like let me help you I wish I could return that favor but obviously I can't do anesthesia work <laughs> right but it is it's nice to see you find people reaching out in different ways asking to help in ways that they haven't before you mentioned just you know the community thanking us I saw yesterday um, on some of our social media platforms on Twitter and on um, Facebook that uh, there were chalk drawings outside on the sidewalk I saw several Metro Health employees posting about that and it was you know people who had written thank you notes in chalk um, for the work that they're doing and some of the Metro Health employees were so, they were posting that, thank you, we're so grateful for those messages. That made me feel so good walking out of the hospital um, after my, you know, my shift. So in cards, you know, we've gotten boxes of cards that have been um, handmade by kids that say, thank you, doctor, thank you, nurses. Um, some that we received yesterday were actually thanking the environmental care staff. You know, some of our unsung heroes, the police officers wanted drawn a little lock on it. So, so these cards, and as I was handing them out, you could just see the appreciation on everyone's uh, face because clearly this is where our entire community is coming together and, and we recognize we are all in this together and we are only going to be as strong as our weakest link and we have to do whatever we can to make that weakest link as strong as possible. And I think everyone's pitching in where where they can. We had um, yesterday uh, a donation of 108 inch live lily plants um, that it was the Journey Church and the Cleveland Hope Exchange and Councilwoman Jasmine Santana that the three of them uh, decided that they wanted to uh, have those lilies come to Metro Health. And, and so we took them around and gave them to police officers, to the people at the screening stations, to some of the critical care nurses, to folks in the emergency department. And just that show of appreciation, it just put a smile on people's faces. They couldn't believe they were getting these beautiful lilies to take home. Um, and it was all because of a beautiful gesture from people in the community saying, we wanna reach out and thank you folks on the front line. Um, and for me, it, it was great helping to spread that cheer, uh, but it also said to me that it's community. Again, it's we're all in this together. And we have different organizations stepping up, offering to buy lunches and meals for employees. You know, there's just a tremendous amount of work going on and um, seeing such you know, gratitude. I think before COVID-19, you might get a card and you'd say, oh, this is really nice. But now you get that card and it's like, oh my gosh, this is just absolutely fabulous. Um, so gratitude is, is abundant, which is great. How do you think that gratitude will change the way you do business with the Institute for Hope and just kind of how we all are moving forward? I hope that as we go through this surge and we come out of COVID-19 that we all have a better appreciation for each other and we can recognize that you know life can be difficult for all of us so when this is over maybe we will be a little kinder maybe we will be a little bit more thoughtful um, and maybe we will be willing to lend a helping hand to others mm, I hope so well thank you very much for joining us today Sue 
Thank you. And just a reminder to everybody to wash your hands. Um, it is just extremely important. The one thing that we can all do is to wash our hands, and it has to be for 20 seconds. And Rita, I think you told me something really nice. I had been using the two happy birthdays, but you said think of 20 people you love. Think of 20 memories um, while you wash your hands. So thank you for having me, and I hope everyone out there stays safe. Hey, Scott, good morning. Where are you at? What's what, what's in that mug that you're sipping? Hey, I'm just drinking a cup of coffee, John, and I'm sitting in uh, my home in Shaker Heights, Ohio, in the family room. Yeah, that's where I am. I'm, I'm, I'm here supporting Metro Health. What do you do at Metro Health, Scott? Uh, I'm the director of corporate giving for the Metro Health Foundation. So we set up a COVID-19 fund where folks in the community can donate. Can you describe quickly what that fund is? Well, the, the COVID-19 support under the leadership of the foundation is addressing some of the immediate needs that are all forever evolving uh, that address the front first responders and the needs identified by Dr. Akram Boutros um, that the community can support. So answer a couple questions for me. Can this, if people donate, metrohealth.org slash donate, can the money be used for N95 masks? Yes. Can it be used for gowns? Yes. Can it be used for ventilators? Yes. Can it be used for donuts at Scott's house in the morning? No, can't do that. Even though I would like that, no, we can't do, do we can't use the money for other, anything other than things that actually address COVID-19 and our ability, our, our ability to, to um, address the crisis. Nice try, John. <laughs> okay, thank you, uh, Scott. Get back to your uh, day and stay well. Thank you, John. See you soon. Yeah. Take care. Ciao. All right. Bye. Okay, we got to figure out how we're going to end this now because like, I don't know. I, I get these things and it's this uncomfortable thing at the end of meetings with how to, how to end a meeting. Is, there's, a button, is there, there's a button, end meeting. Yeah, leave meeting. Okay. <laughs> See you later. All right, bye. <laughs>